0: On this episode of Parents are Hard to Raise, Diane outlines what to look for when hiring a live-in caregiver. Plus, could this inexpensive, over-the-counter pain pill be the answer to Alzheimer's disease? Welcome to Parents are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Barardi. Welcome everyone. So I got a call this week from uh, a, a gentleman. He had called me um, probably about a year ago um, and he had started his conversation telling me that, um, you know, his mom and dad um his dad had had a, a stroke and at the time was bed bound and his mom was caring for him. Um, and I think they were in their early 90s when he had called me. And, he, you know, his mom was doing tube feedings, et cetera, And he wanted help for his mom, who was taking care of his dad. But his mom didn't want any help, you know, she wanted to do everything. And so he had just called me and his dad just died. And um, they were burying him, as a matter of fact, the next day. And so he said, you know, my brothers and I, there's four brothers, um, and no one lives in the area. And he said, we talked to mom, and we told her that, you know, we wanted you to come out and talk to her about getting some help. So, Um, he said to me, you know, I noticed that she's a little unsteady and she's a little forgetful right now. And, you know, that could be just because of everything she's gone through, you know, recently. I mean, you know, so I went out, you know, to talk to them and mom is 95. And, um, you know, she had been taking care of her, her husband for the last five years. And she you know, she said to me that to speak of, she really doesn't have any friends left. And she really hasn't been active. She's in a retirement community, but she hasn't been active in the community. And um, she isn't driving anymore. There is a car there. um, Because her husband used to do all the driving, obviously, before he um, became so ill. And she said she can't drive anymore. She has a defibrillator. And so she can't drive anymore. And Um, she wants to stay in her home, which is, which is great. And um, she, you know, they had said to me, she's a little forgetful, she's a little unsteady. And I had said, well, you know, she's just endured a a tremendous amount of things going on, but that, you know, she should see her doctor just to be checked. And, um, you know, my main concern, I mean, she looks great. And, and she sounds great. And, you know, she's, talking to me and showing me things, Um, you know, my main concern is loneliness. Honestly, you know, in this in this home, you know, she's been taking care of her husband for for the last five years and living with him. And now, you know, she's had all these people around her right now and that for anybody especially with the death of a family member and for her the death of her spouse you know you have all these people around you and then all of a sudden everyone's gone so you know her children don't live around her her, her grandchildren don't live around the area they're and and they're all busy you know with their lives so you know, when you think about it, these people, and she was telling me they, they were married for over 70 years, they got married at 17 years of age. So they've, her, her whole life revolved around him. And, you know, there's, there's no more network of, of family and friends, you know, they've lived into their mid 90s. So um, that that kind of decreases, you know, friends, etc. So, this attachment, this relationship was her whole world. So we don't even think about it, we don't realize how much loneliness, it really is a big health problem. It's linked to, you know, psychological and physiological health problems in the elderly. And, you know, loneliness, it's a stressor, it, it throws off our balance, our internal balance, when faced with these external changes so we know it's linked to high blood pressure heart disease you know cognitive decline functional decline depression isolation poor sleep habits so what i recommended for them is a live-in caregiver i always recommend um a home care company. I I never recommend hiring people on their own, on your own. Now people do that, and I'll get into that a little bit more in, in a few minutes. But so this is what I recommended for her because she want mom wants to stay in her own home, and you know from what they're telling me, what she's looking for is you know someone to take her to get her hair done, someone to take her shopping. She wants to do food shopping, but, you know, she can't drive to the store, even though she says, maybe I'll just get in that car and drive. So, and of course, everyone's saying, no, you can't drive. And, you know, uh, maybe go out to lunch. She needs some companionship. She needs somebody there with her. And, you know, a live-in is perfect for that type of position. They're perfect for, you know, even if someone needs help with, um, more, more, because they have more medical issues, more chronic issues. Um, you know, they can help people with showering and, you know, bathing, dressing, meal preparation, etc. There's a whole host of things they can do and a living caregiver that the very purpose for them is to have that person live in their own home live the way they want where they want be safe and encourage independence so that's what i recommended and you know they were they were agreeable to that now you you need to be hiring the right service. You know, for instance, they called me to get them a service. Now, if you choose to hire a service, you want to hire the right service. Um, And you know what I hear people, people will say to me, they'll call me and they'll say, well, you know, I had a service, but I wasn't happy with them. Well, you have to get get the right service. And maybe you're you're If you're inquiring, you're going through one or two services before you find the right one. And not every service is going to be right for you. Not every service is going to be what you want. But, you know, when you call, you're going to know, you're going to make sure that the person is responsive to what you need and they're responsive to what your mom or dad needs. Now, that job of a live-in, she has to be proactive and protective, you know, of Of that person in her care of these people's mom, you know, encouraging her living her life and continuing to do activities and get her back into a routine. Now, she was in a routine taking care of her husband, so we want to get her back into a routine, you know, for her. And we want to make sure that depression or disinterest doesn't set in. And these children are right to be concerned because if she's all by herself in that house, what is she going to do? She can't drive. She can't get to places. She is just going to sit there. That's what's going to happen. You know, she's going to be, sit there and not be engaged in anything. And you know, if you have the right service in there, you have the right living in there. We as children, we have peace of mind. The pressure is off of us so that we can go and visit when we can. And these, you know, children said to me, you know, we want to go, we're going to be visiting and they take turns visiting, but you know, their lives are busy and, You can't just rely on each one, you know, setting up a schedule and maybe keeping that schedule. Things happen in people's lives, people work, et cetera. So, and you know, we're not going to, we're not to say that, you know, for her, her husband just died. So maybe she's an early riser. It's not to say she may not have moments where, you know. She doesn't want to get out of bed. You know, maybe she wants to sleep later and that's okay. You know, and that's her right to do, but we want to make sure that that doesn't become a habit. So, you know, is your house okay for a living caregiver? Well, they do need a separate bedroom. And, you know, I'll have people call and say, well, can't they sleep on the couch? (laughs) You know, no, they need a separate bedroom. And that's for your your mom, for your family member, as well as for them. Both need their own privacy. Both need their own space to be respected. And they have to sleep at night. You know, there's a lot of labor laws ar- around live-ins. You know, they have to have meals, they have to have some breaks, and they do have to sleep at night. Now, people will say to me, well, my mom is up all night. So, and they, they have this impression, I guess, that if someone's there 24 hours, that they can work 24 hours. And a person can't do that. You're not hiring, um, you know, you're hiring a human being who's, who needs to sleep, and she needs to sleep so she can care for your mom during the day. That's not to say if your mom has to get up one time, you know, during the night, that she can't get up with your mom. That's not it at all. But, you know, I I try to tell people because people have a, they hear, they think 24 hours that the person is there and working 24 hours, but they can't. And that's, you can imagine that that's reasonable because if you're taking care of your mom or dad, people will call and say, I'm taking care of them, but I'm getting no sleep. And then I can't function during the day. Well, it's the same thing as this person. Now I say you're going to call a home care service because they have the experience. They know what they're doing. They're not all the same, and so for me, I I know who to call to give people a, a good service. Now, people say, "Well, I can just hire someone. I can put an ad in the paper and hire someone." Yes, you can, but you know, there's a lot of things that you may not think about. So when I when we use a service and they they are screening their employees they're screening these live-ins they have a nursing supervisor who's directing and supervising this person it's a whole team approach they put somebody who comes in to apply for a job they put them through their paces they're thoroughly interviewed they have they check their references background checks drug screenings they make sure they're not on the office of inspector general exclusion list so you know when 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 i look at a caregiver you can, I can look at someone and, you know, they could, people can tell you things, but you know, you, I can feel, yes, that's a caregiver. That's somebody who feels good helping other people. They want to add value to someone's life. You know, a lot of people will say to me, I'm not getting rich doing this, but this is what I was meant to do. I want to help people. And it, it gives me pleasure to help people and see them do better. And that they can stay in their own home. So we a, a service is going to know their people, they're going to know their caregivers, and they're going to know who's good for mom and who wouldn't be, you know, personality-wise. A service has an employer identification number. You hire someone, you have to get one of those because you become an employer. So you have to follow all labor laws, all tax laws, you have to confirm that this person can legally work, you know, that you have workers' comp. In the state of New Jersey, you're going to have to have workers' comp insurance. You're going to have to do all this paperwork. And people don't realize, what if you hire someone, you know, and you don't act as an employer, and they fall in your mom's home. I I had someone call me, they had hired someone privately. And what happened is the person was outside putting out the garbage, and she fell, it was icy, she fell on mom's driveway. And so now, you know, the homeowner's insurance is saying, uh-oh, you know, you know, if if the neighbor walked up and slipped on the driveway, that's homeowner's insurance. But this person was acting as an employee. So where that's not in the policy, their homeowner's policy. So now we have a big problem, and now these poor people have a big problem. So that's things that people don't realize. Now, what about, you know, people say to me, well, you know, I was advertising, but I couldn't get references. No, you might not be able to. And how do you know... W- truly where that reference is coming from is it if they give you a reference and they say oh I've worked I've worked for this family how do you know who you're calling it could be her friend you know you don't know it could be this whole group of people who you know this person comes in and comes and lives with you and then her friends come and rob mine rob mom blindly you know there's so many things that go on there's so many stories I hear and so many bad things that happen. So you have to be very careful about that. You know, and what if the person just leaves without you even knowing it? You know, what if they steal? How about vaccinations? You know, do they have any communicable diseases? And when we come back, we'll go into it a little bit further. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. So we were talking about you hiring a caregiver on your own. Another point I wanted to make is what if that person needs time off? What do you do? They have to be replaced. You hear a lot about people will say, oh, don't worry about it. My friend will come and replace me. You don't know who that is. Something. Go- what happens if something goes wrong? So there's a lot of things and issues that you have to worry about. Also... When I said, you know, call a service, not all services are the same as well. So these are questions you want to ask. Do they do background checks? What is, you know, do they have a nurse who supervises you want to get a feel for the company. How do they pick their employees? How are they trained? Training is a big, is a big part of it. You know, think about a live in, think about a person, it's very difficult for someone to come and live in someone else's home. So this person is coming out of their home and living in someone else's home. And you know, you might say, well, what kind of person would want to do that? Well, there's people who maybe their, their spouse has died, they, you know, their children have grown. I mean, there's, different reasons, but you don't want someone who's just looking for a home. You know, somebody puts an ad in the paper, I'll live, I'll live some, you know, I'll be a living. You don't know who that is. It could be somebody who just is homeless and doesn't have a home. So you have to be very careful. So this person coming into your home, training is really important. Now, certain Home care companies they train their people very well and that's what you want to know. You want to, there's no problem in you saying if you call a company, well I'd like to interview some people. I'd like to meet some people that you have in mind for my mom. Because you want to make sure that this person fits into your mom's life into the, into your family. You know, when a when a caregiver is trained, they're supervised, they're constantly trained. They're trained to pay attention and you know to minute details they're trained to read a client you know because every every person every patient every mom or dad they're not the same and they respond differently they this caregiver they they have to show initiative they have to be able to handle challenges they have to know what to do in an emergency so one size does not fit all. So in other words, when we find out about your mom, you know, the nurse goes out, I went out to find out about these people's moms, you're talking to them, she's showing me things, she's talking to me about her husband, her life, the children are telling us about them. And you know, you get a sense of, you know, this person is quiet. So you don't, we don't want to send in someone who, you know, has this unrelenting cheerfulness or talking nonstop. You know, we're, we want to know who's going to fit that bill. And sometimes, you know, you can call a service and they may have one person that's available. They're not looking to match who your mom might like. And you'll hear a lot. Well, that didn't work out. My mother didn't like this person. So, You know, if somebody's talking nonstop to me, that'd be irritating to me. Never mind somebody who's quiet or who's who doesn't feel well. And so you can't force someone out of pain by being cheerful. So they're trained to almost a caregiver from certain services, they're trained to mirror the person. And I'm not saying if the client is rude that they're gonna be rude, but they're they're trained to observe and Change course if they have to. They're trained to, you know, read the person. They know that they're a guest in their home and they're not coming in and they're not saying to mom, Well, this is what you have to do. They, you know, your mom, for instance, this person, she's kind of nervous. Well, I, you know, because. you're going to have a stranger coming into your home, a stranger coming to live with you, so they could be a little frightened. So they know how to build that trust with someone. They know how to, you know, maybe get mom out of the house, maybe get mom out of bed. You know, for us, if mom's in bed, we might say, Ma, you got to get out of bed. You got to get out of bed, Ma. You know, Ma, you can't be sleeping late. You know, you're going to get a flat out no. We're a caregiver a, a trained caregiver is going to know. You know, they they might say to they might say to mom, you know what? They're going to paint a scene that sounds inviting and enjoyable, a different way to get mom out of bed. She might say, you know what? The last time we visited Betty, Betty being her neighbor, her granddaughter was there, and I see her granddaughter's car there now. You just you bought her something for the next time you see her. Let's go. So, I want to impress upon you. Very difficult to hire someone on your own. And when you, when you want to choose a company, you want to make sure that you ask the questions that I had said and we had talked about. And I'll also put that on our website so that you'll be able to, you know, know what questions to ask. I also got an email from Ken this week from Macy in the Indiana. And he had told me that he his mom had gotten ill. And so he retired early. And he moved in with his mom. And he said he's the only child. And he said he never married, you know, his career, uh, took him all over the world traveling, and he focused on his career. And so he said now, you know, he's living with mom, and he he wanted to start dating again. And he said that his cousin comes in every once in a while, if he wants to to go out on a date because he just feels like, you know, he wants to live a little. And so he said, but what happens is he said, I go out on a date, you know, and we start talking and he said, The women look at me Like I'm a mama's boy. He said, they look at me like I'm crazy. And he said, I could tell if I like the person and I want to call her again. He said, they'll say to me, oh, yes, you can. He's like, but I could tell by the look they're saying, oh, see ya. You know, like, forget it. So I want to say to you, Ken, you know, and he's kind of feeling really, what what does he do? Listen, millions of men are primary caregivers for their apparent you know, for, for their wives, it, it, it comes out of necessity. Uh, you know, you could have a sister and maybe she doesn't live in the area. You know, maybe you're the best one to, to care for your mom or your dad. You know, there's there's an old saying, if you really want to know a man, you see how he treats his mom. So don't feel bad at all. And you just haven't met the right person. You still have to take care of yourself you still have to get support because it's a little harder, I think, for a male, you know, because caregiving is lonely. It's a, it's a lonely job for anybody. But I think especially men, because you don't see a lot of other men doing it, you may not be in in contact with a lot of men, men don't talk about it. So you still need support, and you still need breaks. So it's great that your cousin can come in and help you. And you know, You might like one of these, one of these women, you know, and and you're, you're gonna find someone who appreciates what you do. You know, everyone has their own expectations of, you know, what a male should do, what a female should do, or what they're looking for, you know, in a potential person to date. But, you know, you can't feel bad about what how this person is judging you about how their stereotypes are. Don't let that make you feel frustrated, or, you know, question what you're doing, because there was a decision you made. People's lives change. And this is the the decision you made. And you, you're happy and you're comfortable in the decision, then don't let someone else's judgment and don't feel bad about it. There are so many male caregivers. I can't tell you how many calls I get from males, you know, and they have wives or they have sisters, but they'll call about their mom. So don't feel bad. And I, I, I think you should be getting a cheer and a clap for you for doing what you're doing. Something very interesting in the news. Neuroscientists are now suggesting that if carried, if started early enough, a daily regimen of ibuprofen can prevent the onset of Alzheimer's. That's really very interesting, especially in the United States. When you think about it, a new case of Alzheimer's disease is identified every 66 seconds. That's unbelievable. So, Dr. Patrick McGear and his wife, Dr. Edith McGeer, they're wor- world-renowned neuroscientists. So their team announced that they had developed a simple saliva test that can not only diagnose Alzheimer's disease, but predict its future onset. So the test measures a substance called amyloid beta protein 42 that's secreted in saliva. So in most people, the rate of this protein production is almost exactly the same regardless of your sex or your age. But However, the rate of production, if it's two to three times higher, those individuals are destined to develop Alzheimer's disease. So that's because these high deposits of protein cause a condition which is neuroinflammation, which is responsible for destroying the brains of people with Alzheimer's. So ibuprofen is an anti-inflammatory, which they've known for about the last 20 years that it can have a beneficial effect on Alzheimer's disease. But what we haven't known is is how far in advance we need to start taking it for ha- it to have an appreciu- appreciable effect. So now, thanks to this study by Dr. McGear and his wife and, he- and their team, it's possible to predict when the Alzheimer's will start. So, and so what they're saying is, if the prevalence of clinical Alzheimer's begins at age 65, we recommend that people get tested 10 years before, so at age 55, when the onset would typically begin. And if there's saliva, by the simple saliva test, if they find that these protein levels are high it's time to begin taking this daily ibuprofen to ward off the disease. Of course, you have to check with your doctor because there are risks associated with daily ibuprofen use. Of course, most notably, you hear about, you know, gastrointestinal bleeding or risk of heart attack or stroke. So you have to consult with your doctor. But it's good to know that this study exists and was found and this information has been found. Another thing I thought was cute in the news is sleeping with your socks good for you. Well, what studies have found that you may get to sleep faster if you sleep with your socks. (laughs) So most people have difficulty from time to time, you know, get falling asleep. So put some socks on. So what they found was, you know, we're thinking, well, if I wear socks to bed, I'll overheat, you know, and I'll get tired. But what they what scientists have found is it assists the body's normal internal body regulation. So this study said adults who wore either normal or heated socks in bed got to sleep faster. That's because your body core temperature drops during the night reaching the lowest temperature at about 4 a.m. So when you put socks on, it warms up the feet, increases the blood flow to the feet, heat escapes through the skin, and this in turn helps to lower your core body temperature. So this sends a signal to your brain, it's bedtime. So let's wear some socks to bed. <laughs> and my survival tip of the week, have something to look forward to. Being in a state of anticipation and expectancy can improve your happiness level. So yeah, that's pretty good. So remember, the very best conversations happen at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org. I want you to go there right now and leave a question or comment so myself, our team, and the entire Parents are Hard to Raise worldwide community can support you. Share as much detail as you can because thousands of people come here each week for insight and inspiration. And you, you never know, your story may give someone else exactly what they need to live more fully right now. One of the things we're all starving for is community and connection. So please join us. If you found something helpful in this episode and you think you can help someone else, please tell them they can subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio. I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with your friends or family. This is Episode 55. Parents are Hard to Raise is a Countersink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music New York, New York, under License of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to reading your comments and can't wait till we meet again on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, question everything. See you again next week.